Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We're back, and this is a special episode because it's a three-way. We've got every single member of the team on board for this episode, so we're going to sort of try and navigate the dynamics uh, of it all. But I'm going to host the first section. Uh, my name is Jonathan Vaduba, and I'm joined this week not only by Steve Wiss, but also by Henry from Football in Denmark. Uh, I'm going to start with our guest, of course. Henry, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, just... Uh... Uh, yeah, uh, dealing with uh, the exertions of a, a, another week. But yeah, all good. Looking forward to, to getting stuck into some of the European games this week. And of course, Mr. Meatman Soccer, as ever, the regular stalwart in the defensive midfield role. How are you today? <laughs> I'm all right. Thank you, Jonathan. I hope you are well. Mr. Henry Nichols, it's great to have you on board, as always. And thank you. Uh, let's get ready to, to rock and roll because we've got plenty to discuss. Yeah, we're going to start this week with a different kind of um, uh, show. We're, we're going to start European instead of domestic. So, of course, this week is quite a big week for uh, Norway, Sweden and Danish football because if any teams make it through, of course, through this next round of European qualification, then they will make their group stages of the various uh, Europa, Champions League and Conference League. So it's a pretty big week for all our teams. So we thought what better to do than, you know, preview it all, get everybody on board and uh, sort of look at what the prospects are. So um first we'll just run through some of the games coming up of course we've got uh on tuesday buddha glimt against dinamo zagreb and then we've got fc copenhagen against uh Trabzonspor. henry you might correct my pronunciation there i don't know if i might if i might upset anyone saying copenhagen i don't know um <laughs> on, on on wednesday we've got Eurogarden against apple nicosia in the conference league final qualifier um and obviously that's a separate team so Eurogarden from sweden and then on Thursday, we've got quite a lot. We've got Europa League qualification finals. Malmo against Sivaspor of Turkey. Uh, we've got HJK Helsinki against Silkeborg, which is, of course, a bit of a, a Nordic affair. Um, we've got uh, Molde against Wolfsburger of Austria, which will be interesting. Molde, can they get through in the uh, Conference League? Slovakko against AIK. And I think that is all we've got. No, we've got FCB against Viking. And we've also got West Ham v which is a big one in terms of the English audience. A lot of eyes will be on the the, the Danish team there going to London. Um, and I think that's pretty much all we've got. So um, we're going to start with Tuesday's games. Why not do it in order? Uh, I will start with you, Henry, as our guest, uh, talking about FC Copenhagen against Trabzonspor. Now, there's been a bit of a... Anyone who follows us on Twitter and Nordic Football might have seen a little bit of a extra increase in mentions of late our engagement is definitely gone up analytics you know we'll, we'll take it we'll take it all day long and also henry at football in dk i believe you've had a bit of a extra interest in your mentions right, due to the Turkish side uh qualifying firstly just tell us a little bit about what happened when the draw was made um <laughs> and then tell us you know just your outlook on the game like going into it what, where would copenhagen see themselves in this match because they're not doing amazingly in the league so yeah, just give us a bit of an overview of this match. Yeah, it's not my not my first rodeo. Um, uh, mentioning a Turkish team on Twitter and, and seeing what happens, uh, their their fans are uh, nothing if not um, uh, vociferous in their support for their team. So yeah, I I I just tweeted that the draw. You know, this was the draw. FC Co were playing Trabzonspor, and within about an hour, I had about a hundred replies, uh, mainly just GIFs and videos of the atmosphere inside uh, inside the stadium. Uh, and so, yeah, there's no doubt at all the away leg is going to be a 
feisty affair. Um, in terms of in terms of how I see the game panning out, uh, I think the bookies have it more or less uh, 50-50. I think maybe slightly in favour of Trabzonspor. I mean, I think that I think that. Um, I think there's a bit of pessimism coming from uh, some of the Danish fans that I speak to just because of how FC Co are going this season. Um, you know, they lost this weekend uh, against uh, Randers and uh, only won twice in the league this season. They lost uh, Mohamed Darami, who, of course, is back in Copenhagen uh, on loan for the season. Uh, and in what little he's played this this season, he's looked brilliant. So he got injured this weekend. And centre-back David Kochlava, who again has, has, has looked great, he's also injured. So, you know, they're coming into this fixture um, probably at a bad time uh, in terms of form and in terms of injuries. Uh, but that said, it's going to be one of the big, uh, biggest European games in um, in a few years in Copenhagen. So uh, anything could happen. Um, but, but yeah, I, I I think it's the the tie is is very much in the balance. Um, maybe Traps on Sport just shade it a little bit, but uh, you know, th- th- there's not going to be much in it. Yeah, and this is, I mean, like you said, in terms of the magnitude of the game, this is this is for a place in the Champions League group stage. You know, this is this is big. Let's let's face it. Um, so, with that in mind, of course, even with Glimpse as well, Steve, you know, you got to look at it. Like having Buda Glimpse in the in the Champions League group stages would be incredible, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to come back to you in a minute, Henry, in terms of like the team news and maybe anything else uh, to look out for. But Steve, as well, how, how big is this for Glimpse? You know, I know they're playing Dino Zagreb. Zagreb are sort of kind of old, experienced heads, aren't they, in the European stage? Let's say, but at the same time, they're not necessarily the most dominant force getting into the Champions League group stages. So for them as well. It's a huge game, but for Glimp, this will be the first time in their history of reaching this this stage, isn't it? And probably on this podcast, would you agree with me in saying that we? I know we're going to be supporting them, but they almost deserve it, don't they? Champions League group stage, they almost deserve the big stage. Would, would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I think everyone worldwide would agree with that, apart from perhaps Tromso fans. Um, really, <laughs> Tromso fans are literally hiding behind the sofa, aren't they? They're desperate for. Dinamo Zagreb to get them a result uh, over these uh, these two matches. But the last time that a Norwegian team was in the Champions League group stage, gentlemen, anyone want to guess what year, what season it was? Rosenborg, uh, 2000, cover, right? <laughs> 2005. Certainly Rosenborg. I'll say Rosenborg, 2007-8. And it was the year where they went to Chelsea, got a draw at Stamford Bridge, and I think Mourinho was sacked. Oh, yeah. I think it was. Anyway, since then, we've had Rosenborg were close, 1920 season, against Dino Zagreb, actually knocked them out. And then Mulder lost on penalties against Ferenc Varos of Hungary. So this is a a really massive chance for Buda Glimt. Fair to say it's probably the biggest two ties in their history. I mean, what's the, the dangling carrot is at least probably £10 million, if not more, I'm guessing. You might know better than me there, boys. But, um, I mean, this is a real 50-50 game. I think the bookmakers can hardly split them both. Maybe Zagreb are slight favourites. I've looked at their squad today. I did a bit of research on it. They've got the goalkeeper, isn't the Croatian national team keeper, Linkakovic or someone like that. 31-plus Croatian caps. They've got plenty of players in the squad who are highly valued. And, you know, they're kind of experienced European campaigners. They don't qualify for the Champions League every season. But they're certainly at least, you know, Europa League sort of standard. And um, it's really important for to win the home leg. I think the home leg first probably suits them. 
because no one likes to go to Budapest on this artificial pitch. And they can, you know, they've really got nothing to lose here in a way because the way goals don't count anymore. I think that suits Budapest. They can, they're going to absolutely give, give absolutely everything here, push hard. I think there's plenty of goals in the first leg. And I think they, they know really they need to take at least probably a two goal advantage to Croatia, don't they? They're realistic. It's a tough place to go. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is, like you said, the biggest game probably in the biggest two games in their history. You have to admit that. Uh, the press conference before the game, um, they mentioned that I think Kieto Knitzel mentioned that he's ready for a historic match. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be exciting, actually. I think, although some people might have heard of Buda Glimp in the, you know, not on this podcast, of course, you'll have heard about them a lot, but in the European stage, although they, you get whispers, don't you, when they beat Roma, for example, you get, um, there was talk about them a couple of times, you know, in the past year or so on the sort of bigger stage. But I think for teams, for, for those who might not know about Buda Glimp, Steve, just very briefly, like, what could we expect from them in terms of if they were to make it into the Champions League? Like, what what's so good about them for people who might not have even listened to this podcast or or, or not studied Glimp? Like, what would be good about them being in um, the Champions League? What would they bring to it? Well, they're a small club from the Arctic Circle, and uh, they weren't even in the top flight of Norwegian football five years ago. So they've kind of come from this uh, from the second tier. There's not been like huge money. A lot might look at Buda Glimt and think, oh, they must have a sugar daddy who's come in from, I don't know, Qatar or somewhere and just spearheaded loads of funds like that. But they've developed a lot of their own youngsters, uh, brought in some great young players as well. And uh, this fantastic coaching team managed to sell quite a few, uh, make some good profit from it. And they're managed by Chetil Knutson, who is highly regarded. And, you know, I don't think... Um, Anyone hasn't heard of Buda Glimp now after the Roma matches last season. But, you know, aside from that, they're a nice side to watch, entertaining, attack-minded. And I think they try and play football in the right way, which is, is good to see. So they're a great team for a sort of a neutral to support. Like I say, I think everyone's probably cheering them on apart from Tromso fans in this match. Simple as that. Yeah, and obviously apart from uh, Zagreb fans as well. And Zagreb fans as well. So, yeah, I mean, on, on what you've just said there, um, Kieto Knudsen said before the game, We've got everything to win and we are ready for a higher level than we've ever seen before. Uh, no, sorry, that was Ulrich Saltness who said that in the press conference. Obviously, you know, the Champions League press conferences that, that they do. And uh, Kit Tilkinson said, the expectations are that we will play a historic match. We must be ourselves as much as possible. We will attack. We are not naive and we will take their qualities into account. So, yeah, it's a huge game, to be honest. And I think, uh, like you say, it could be good if they could get through. But I think it would be probably a tough game for them, to be fair. Um, Henry, let's move on to, before we make predictions of these two games, Henry, what do you think about uh, Copenhagen's chances in terms of, I've seen that they've actually, Jav Zonspor have got a Dane in their side, uh, Andreas Cornelius. I think he played in, in England at one point as well. Um, so he'll be looking to knock out his his compatriots, I guess, from the, from the competition. But how big would this be for FC Copenhagen? Because I remember, you know, I even actually remember going to watch FC Copenhagen in the Champions League uh, many years ago when they played Manchester United. Uh, one of the coldest games I've ever been to in my life, and and you know you remember that third team of like Diamond Doi and you yeah, know they yeah. had a good team back in the day. They kind of they were for a little bit in the Champions League, weren't they, for for a while? And, yeah, yeah. So, um, so how how big would it be for them to get back into it? And how are they looking ahead of this game? Yeah, so I, I actually Diamond Doi was there on Friday to be um, <clears throat> sort of put into the pantheon of greats of uh, former FC co players. So that was uh, yeah, that was a. a a, a cool moment. Um, 
in terms of uh, in in terms of uh, going back in the Champions League, I think it's really important, um, primarily from a, uh, a revenue and a reputation perspective. Um, what, as Steve was talking about the, um, the you know what, what it means monetarily. The, the difference the difference between the Champions League and the Europa League is massive. So the, the, there are complexities to this with market shares, etc. But uh, the, the, the kind of base level figure is that getting into the group stage is worth about 15 million euros. And then you get <clears throat> 2.8 million euros for a win and 930,000 euros for a draw. And just sort of comparing that with the Europa League, you only get 3.6 million for getting in the Europa League with 630k for a win and 210k for a draw. So in terms of money, you're looking at um, four plus times uh, just getting into the, the the Champions League group stage. On the flip side, though, you've got the you've got the ability to earn coefficient points, and actually you can pick up coefficient points much more readily in the Conference League and the Europa League. And as we all know finishing in the the sort of the top 15 uh tends to be the the goal for any of the the Scandinavian clubs because that then enables you to have two Champions League places and and more European spaces so Copenhagen if they made it into the Champions League group stage looking at the other teams in there I think I think it would be I think it would be tough to to finish anywhere other than fourth in the groups just given the sort of the financial muscle you know in, in the pot three you're looking at teams like Probably the weakest team there is Sporting, who are, you know, massive. So <clears throat> I think that would be tough. But from a financial perspective, it would be really important. And yeah, you you also mentioned um, uh, Andreas Cornelius. Uh, he was uh, he he was a, a former FC Copenhagen player. Uh, scored very famously in the in the cup final against Bromby, and yeah, I, I think has a has a, a a a great feeling among the supporters. So that's going to be interesting seeing him uh, seeing him come back for them. And what's your um, general feeling about how this game will go? Obviously, Copenhagen first leg, you know, they're 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 going to be maybe looking to take it to take it to their opponents. They're at home. Uh, then they've got to go to Turkey, which is always going to be a tough place to go, as your Twitter mentions uh, suggest, I imagine. Um, what, what's your outlook on the game uh, and maybe a prediction in terms of how Copenhagen can, what, what can they look to get going to go in this first leg to go back to Turkey? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I don't watch a lot of Turkish football, so I, I, can't, I can't give you the ins and outs of, of Traps on Sport. But I can say that if, this, if you'd asked me this prediction a couple of weeks ago, I would have said I think FC Copenhagen can can just edge it. Um, in that time, they've lost their their first choice goalkeeper, uh, who who sort of uh, went for a went for a cross and got a head butted in the face and has smashed his smashed his face up. So he's out for a while. Uh, and then another another number of significant um, absentees, and I think that might just swing it in in Trabzon's favour. The the plus point is that away goals don't count anymore so actually FC Copenhagen can try and go out there uh, and not be forced to play they can sort of um, park the bus and although their defense hasn't been that that hot this season last season it was fantastic so they do possess the the ability there so yeah I, I'm still I'm I'm gonna stay on the fence although I I, I think that it's probably 55-45 in favor of uh, of Trabzon fantastic stuff well the game's at Parkin uh, the referee's Michael Oliver so that should be quite interesting. And yeah, both sides haven't been. I mean, the last time uh, Trabzon were in the Champions League, uh, they've only ever been in it once, and that was 11 years ago. And Copenhagen haven't been in it for six years. So um, 
Trabzonspor also haven't faced the Danish club in more than 30 years. So this is quite a big uh, occasion, I guess, for, for Trabzon as well, uh, who've had recent success. So, uh, Steve, I'm going to ask you now your prediction. What well, you, you know, you know what I've um, I've had a look at Trust. I actually watched Trabzonspor last year. They're excellent in the um, Conference League, uh, qualifying against Molde. Went on to win the Turkish League. I've done a little bit of research into them. They've lost some players. They've lost one of their top performers last season, a Nigerian called Anthony Nawakwame. Uh, you might know him a bit better than me, but uh, 13 goals, 10 assists. A few departures have left the books. I'm not sure, you know, whether they're going to be as strong as they were last season. So, and, you know, I've never honestly, to be fair, Trezor Sport were good last season, but this is not a league I've ever rated in recent years. I've got to be brutally honest. So I actually being FC, FC Copenhagen, I would give, definitely would give them the edge here. It's not going to be easy. But over the two matches, I think they win in by Parkin. They'll get the win at Parkin. The problem's going to be going over to Turkey because that is an absolute... I mean, that, that stadium there, it's absolutely rocking. And um, that might be, that's a difficult part. But I think 1-0 FC Copenhagen first leg. And the Buda Glimt prediction for me, 2-1 to Buda Glimt in the first leg against Dinamo Zagreb. So uh, have you got a prediction, John? And do, do you think... Um... I think I think Liverpool could win, but do, do you think they'll go? Do you think Liverpool will actually go through? Yes. Yeah. I think it goes all the way, extra time, maybe even penalties. But I've yeah. just got a good feeling. You just have a feeling, don't you? It's their time, isn't it? You just, yeah, I, I just I, sense I, that they go, they make it through. I really hope so. So yeah, thanks a lot, uh, guys. Um, we're going to move on to Wednesday's games yeah. now, aren't we, Steve? Yes, and you're going to sort of. Uh, mm, I am. The one match in the Conference League qualification Wednesday, you're going against Apoel from Cyprus. Now, I think you're going to kind of go under the radar a bit in this uh, European qualifying job. And no one's really talking about them. They've got a heck of a chance here to make a group stage for, I'm guessing, the first time in quite some time. Um, what do you know about this match? How are they shaping up? And uh, Cypriot opposition. I've got to say, I don't. this is not a league I follow at all. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's a good point you make there, I think, Steve, in terms of you're going, going under the radar. They, they, mm. They've knocked out well, then again, it's not exactly the giants of European football, but they knocked out Sepsi OSK, um, not to be confused with Pepsi. Um, they knocked them out 6-2 and beat them 3-1 in the home leg on, in Stockholm on last Thursday. And actually, they, they dominated the game, I thought, and they were really good. Uh, Joel Osoro, the fans, left the stadium singing his name. He was electric on that day. Uh, I think he scored twice, I believe. And um, he, yeah, he scored twice, Hampus Findel as well. They actually went behind 1-0. Um, but came back 3-1 winners and won 6-2 in aggregate. I think that, um, like you say, I think they have gone under the radar a little bit. Apoel, I looked at their result. Um, they, they came through against Kizilar Petropavlovsk, which I don't know if that's, I don't know where they're even from to be, Kazakhstan they're from. Um, narrowly got through against the Kazakhstani team. So I can't, obviously I can't really comment on the quality of Cypriot football. But yeah, Cypriot football, the, the national team's terrible, but the uh, the the club the, the club teams are often okay, aren't they? So I don't know about that. Have you got a prediction, Jonathan? Before we move on, I think that uh, I think you're going to win the first leg. Uh, I think it'll be like two one maybe or something like that. But I'm not entirely sure if they will be able to get the result in the away leg. I think that they will have a, a mighty test in the second leg um, because I think Apple will have a bit of European history about them. Uh, so my prediction for now is two one two one year and then we'll review it. Ahead of the second yeah. leg, but I, I'm I'm fairly confident. I don't think Uruguay will ever have a bigger chance. They've not yeah. been in group stages of competitions like this for quite some time, so I really think this is a huge uh, opportunity for them. 
And the way their season's going, it feels like they're ready to sort of maybe step up a level. So um, this is a really big game, I think, for just the recent history of Uruguay in, in general. I'm going 2-1. On to Thursday, Europa League uh, qualification here. And we've got a shade of Royal League. Uh, HJK Helsinki against Silkborg. Uh, Henry, this is... Uh, I mean, do, we have, do, do we know much about uh, Finnish football? We need a Finnish expert on here, don't we? But this is an interesting looking clash. Big game for both teams. HJK, for Finland not to get a team in any group stage would be pretty bad, wouldn't it? Um, but Silkeborg, I'm guessing, probably might even be the favourites here over two legs. I don't know, Henry, but uh, how are they? They're shaping up quite well, aren't they? It's start of the season, all right? Yeah, they should be. The, I mean, they're massive favourites in my mind. Um, <clears throat> in in Denmark, there's a, a match between Nordjylland and Silkeborg that's called El Plastico uh, because it's the two teams with synthetic pitches. And... Uh, Helsinki also have a synthetic pitch, so we've got a um, we've got an all Nordic El Plastico here. But yeah, Silkeborg are second in the table. Um, they lost for the first time this weekend actually to Viborg uh, in a bit of an upset. But they've hit the ground running. Um, they they look as good as as good as ever. Um, the one thing that I said I think in the season preview was that uh, I fully expected them to have a great season as long as they could keep the gang together. Now, unfortunately, they've uh, they've already lost one of the gang. Um, Rasmus Christian uh, Rasmus Carstensen uh, went to Genk a week or so ago. There's strong rumours that uh, Nicholas Hellenius is going to be heading to Bronby, and uh, Nikolai Valleys was linked with Copenhagen earlier uh, in the window. So, if they can get through this <laughs> this tie with the front three intact, uh, I expect them to win comfortably. Um, but whether or not they'll manage to keep that that same unit together for the group stages is another matter. Yeah, I mean, HJK uh, Helsinki, actually, they're not top of their own domestic league. It surprises me. Uh, Cups and Honka are both ahead of them in the table. It looks like a three-way battle for the Whitecaps uh, League crown over there in Finland. So I don't know exactly the makeup. I mean, obviously, they're by far the biggest club in Finland five million miles and i think I, I read a couple of tweets um some fans up there if they do make it to the group stage it's only going to widen the financial disparity between them and the rest of the league so i think quite a lot of finland isn't really cheering them on <laughs> um but i was looking to the odds silkeborg are the favorites away from home first leg so overall they would be favorites to prevail would it be a disappointment do you think for silkeborg even though it's hjk helsinki not to go through yeah, I think it would be a massive disappointment um, given how uh, given how strongly they played last season and it, even this season and how they've been able to to sort of take their game and impose their game on big teams. I think it would be a, a, a real shame. I mean, I, again, I don't know Helsinki well enough, but um, there aren't many teams in the Superliga who can uh, who can get close to, to Silkeborg at the moment. And so I would be I'd be surprised if they if they went down in this one. Uh, but yeah it's always always different when you're playing a an opponent you don't know as well um but i uh, i really fancy them to progress prediction then for you henry uh i'm gonna uh, in the, the in the first leg i'm gonna go 3-1 silkerborg very good very good um we're gonna stick with the europa league qualification here malmo failed in the champions league of course uh, facing a, a turkish opposition as well sivaspor here and um Sivas were actually only finished 10th in the Turkish league last year. They won the Turkish Cup. That's what they've got them to this stage of the campaign. Now, I know you've not been big on Mamo in Europe this season, 
Jonathan. They didn't. They could. They actually only drew a match against Luxembourg opposition last week. Surely, though, against a team that finished so low in the Turkish table last year, they're going to have too much. Yeah, they struggled against uh, Dudelange uh, in the second leg, and uh, I've, I've been I've been down on Malmo all season to be honest in terms of their European campaign uh I remember early in the season getting criticism from some fans on Twitter saying that I was being a bit harsh on Malmo but to be honest the way their season's transpired I, I feel kind of vindicated in a way because they just haven't really been up to it and I think most fans would agree um we'll talk about domestic form in a minute but in terms of the game of the weekend Malmo against Gif Sundsvall I thought they were again unconvincing got a 3-1 win but um it was basically like a little late rally in the first half to get to get three goals and then they kind of you know slept through most of the rest of the match really uh i don't think you could take the turks turkish team lightly to be fair even this game uh, i did see funnily enough that trabzonspor played Sivasspor recently and beat them 4-0 so if that's an indication of the sort of levels we're talking here then perhaps um, i might be overestimating them the first game's in in malmo obviously malmo stadium uh scottish referee i don't know how that will affect anything but um, I, I think that um, I don't trust this Malmo side. I'll be, I'll be honest. I think I think both teams will score. If that makes sense, I think there will definitely be. Um, I think it'll be a competitive game in the sense of where Silverspool will have a chance throughout the whole tie, home and away. I don't think it'll ever be kind of like a two or three nil anything like that. Um, but this is without knowing really the quality of Silverspool. But if you look at Malmo this season, I mean they struggled against. They got knocked out by Zalgiris, who Kilim absolutely battered. Uh, they struggled against the team from Luxembourg pretty much. Okay, they got through, but wasn't exactly they went on fire. Um, there's a lot of changes in their team uh, in terms of new signings and things like that to integrate. They still have an interim manager. Uh, I think this is not a done and dusted tie by any means. So if you're a Turkish supporter listening to this as a fan of Sivaspor, I would say you 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 can feel slightly confident going into this. I think we've got a chance. Interesting stuff, but I mean your prediction and overall over the two legs do you think Malmo will do it I think it'd be borderline traitor of me to say no <laughs> I think I just feel like I'm letting the team down I've got to support Malmo but um I'm not convinced I'll be, I'm gonna if, tell if you they don't make it through here Jonathan honestly I'd be stunned I I'm would honestly be stunned I really would if they if they get knocked out by this side I I don't I don't think it's a strong league anyway and this is a team finished 10th they finished closer to the bottom of the table than they did the top. I'm not I mean, anyone can win a cup, can't they? Let's be honest. You know, anyone can convinced. win a cup. But I can think I can think of a few who can't. <laughs> Put it this way, I'm not like I think it, it might go penalties, extra time. Um, well, it's a tough place. They, they need a lead, don't they, from the first leg, I'll say that. Because to anyone it's a tough place to go, Turkey. Whatever. Uh, we'll stick with you actually, Jonathan. Uh, we can finish off your section. So AI AK against Slovakia, we could end up with three Swedish teams in group stages here, which would be quite good, wouldn't it? But um, they've got a trip to the Czech Republic. I don't know much about this league, but there's some half decent sides in it, isn't there? So uh, Slovakia, I only got here by virtue of penalties, actually. In fact, Slovakia are odds on favourites to win the first leg against them, so they must be decent. So a tricky looking tie for them, but you never know. Yeah, and again, it's another one where um, AIK haven't really been massively convincing. They came through against uh, Skendidra, I believe it was. Um, but again, it wasn't like a game where you, you know, AIK, they drew with Varnamo at the weekend. Obviously, we had their assistant manager on the show a couple of weeks ago. They went, they've gone to AIK, which is a tough, really tough place to go for a newly promoted team and got a creditable two-all draw, could even have maybe won the game, to be honest. So AIK aren't really in great form, I have to be honest. Uh, 
I think this the timing in this game. I don't know if it. I don't know if it's in their favour. If that makes sense. Narrowly came through, like I say, against Skendiji. They needed penalties, in fact, um, Steve. So, uh, I think that I don't know anything about the team they're playing Slovakia. I have to be honest. Um, but I feel like this is not the best of times for AIK. I think there's a little, there's a few question marks about the the, the, the team. I think there's a few question marks about the recruitment. Um, certain players, I think like Kim Pioca, for example, up front, Zach Ebuzedi, he actually had to, um, I think I mentioned it on a recent podcast, but he shut his Twitter, he shut his Instagram page down because of all the abuse he was getting. Kim Pioca used to play for Sunderland, of course, and, and they pretty much weren't bothered when he left. Um, and he's having a tough season, I think, to be honest. John Guidetti has just come back from COVID as well. He had COVID, so he's, you know, new signing. They signed a player called Vincent Till. Um, I don't know a huge amount about him, but he's like expected to bring the creativity to AIK, but they're quite a turgid, turgid side. I'm going to predict that they will go through, but I think it will be quite narrow. I wouldn't expect them to um, blow anyone away in this in this time. Other than making some extra time penalties again, doesn't it? Yeah, I've got a feeling the chaps I might actually be a bit strong there, but uh, let's see. There is, uh, we're just going to conference link now, and a really big tie for Vivor. They travel to West Ham. And uh, West Ham, of course, no points on the board in the Premier League yet. I, mean, I guess a lot of people will be thinking the Hammers make it through here, Henry. But uh, what sort of challenge can Viborg, um give them? Yeah, this is going to be, I'm going to be really fascinated to see this one just because uh, it's, it's not often that you get a, a Premier League uh, team playing a Danish team, particularly outside of the top kind of two or three teams. So I th- I, I personally think Viborg play really nice football, <clears throat> very hardworking team, uh, play at quite a high tempo. Uh, they, they love a counter-attack. They create the most big chances in the league. We, we know all about Christian Sorensen. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how how that compares to uh you know a, a team who are you know one of the one of the better sides in the premier league so yeah i'm, I'm really fascinated by this one i think the bookies have a, a v-borg winners you know uh below 10 percent probability so um it's going to be a big challenge for them but i think that you know we'll we'll follow premier league teams and i think it's quite easy to be sort of sniffy about the um the conference league but actually when you see uh, when you see what these ties uh, mean, particularly to a, a, like a team like Viborg, who I think this is only their second ever season in Europe, um, and for their fans to be able to come over and, and play a game in the Olympic Stadium, for example, against West Ham, you know, it's a, a really fantastic uh, competition for for kind of throwing up these ties that we wouldn't have necessarily got before. So I, I'm I'm not necessarily holding out much hope for Viborg to progress, but I do think that. Uh, you underestimate them at your peril, uh, given, you know, they've started the season very strongly. Um, they've got a, 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 a very um, cohesive system that the, 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 the way they play, is they're very much a team that are more than the sum of their parts. Um, and yeah, again, there's plenty of rumours linking their kind of top players away from them. Uh, I saw rumours of Christian Sorensen might be going to Bronby. So if they can get these... Uh, get these ties played with the with the players in the building then uh they're going to give themselves the best chance but you know i i i i don't fancy their chances but i'm going to be really fascinated to see them have a go 
I think you're right, Henry, in terms of what you say about the Conference League. Because to be honest, I think I think Steve, you probably agree that I really enjoyed the Conference League last season. 100%. Um, yeah, get teams having you know new experiences. I thought the whole tournament was was actually quite good. And you mentioned, um, I think, was it Randers who were there last season? Uh, yeah. yeah, they had yeah. an adventure playing Leicester. Uh, and there's other teams who have you know really benefited from it. So I think it's even for Glimp, you know, it was a good adventure for them. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're going to predict predict West Ham to win. Am I right in saying that? Or what do you think will happen? Will they get battered, Viborg, in the first leg? Or I, I personally, I don't think they're a team that that get battered. Um, but I, I, I think that there's just there's so much quality in that in that team. And I, I actually, I, uh, I went on a, a West Ham podcast today, and one of the points that I that I raised is that the according to transfer market, anyway, the um, the the value of Viborg squad is eight million euros, and the value of West Ham squad is three hundred and sixty two million euros. So the 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 the, dis, the, dis, the disparity is there for all to see. Um, so I I think this is one of those ones where it's almost a free hit for Viborg. They 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 probably couldn't have got a much tougher draw, and so uh, they owe it to themselves to just go out there and play as play as well as they can and can see what what, what will happen and you know if West Ham uh, underestimate them or think you know this is the team they haven't heard of so they can they can take it easy I think they they might well come a cropper because um, uh, Viborg are very much there on merit I, I don't like a quarter, of a, a quarter of a schmacker is that I think that, that a million um, <laughs> yeah. so let, let's let's move on uh, I think that will be an interesting game and of course it's on I think it's on BT Sport as well so anyone in England looking to watch the match, uh, Henry, just quickly, what was the name of the podcast that you were on? Let's give him a shout out. Um, it was, uh, I think it's We Are West Ham United. That'll do. Good luck to where We Are West Ham United. Steve, I'm going to move on to um, the Norwegian teams because we've got Viking and we've got Mulder. Who do you want to talk about first? Yeah, we'll start with Mulder against uh, Wolfsburg at the Austrian side. And uh, I want to echo, echo your thoughts about the Conference League, by the way. I think it's nearly enough every other team takes it proper seriously look at roma they're actually the perfect ambassador as the first winners of it really Mourinho would want to win um against the dog and dug wouldn't he and um certainly conference league was right up his street but um and i also would say that because in england we kind of look down upon the conference league i'm never a big fan of teams uh that are sort of in this qualification phase. I think West Ham will go through, but it might be more of a banana skin than you think. But Mulder against Wolfsberger. Mulder are full of goals. I'll tell you that, Jonathan. I'm expecting both of these ties to contain plenty of, you know, if you're betting on the games, probably over two and a half of both legs. And I think their extra offensive strength will be enough. But Mulder, I mean, they, they, they were 2-0 down in Hungary against Kizvada. We're given a bit of a scare there, then got a goal. I would imagine the first leg they'll win it at home. I don't know an awful lot, lot about Wolfsburger, but Austrian teams can be quite hit or miss, can't they? Uh, but again, usually quite attack-minded. I've got to think over the two legs that they'll have enough for them. Um, and I'd be disappointed if Mulder didn't make it through here. So I think it'll be two good games to watch. Yeah, incidentally, the Austrian league is the eighth best league, according to uh, UEFA, in terms of club coefficients. Uh, the Norwegian league is, is 17th, Denmark 18th, uh, and Swedish 23rd. Uh, funnily enough, Cyprus is actually ahead of the Swedish league as well, so it's, it's 21st. So that just gives a bit of context. And Turkey is 20th, so that's just based on sort of performances. I think over the last five seasons. Um, I mean, we'll, just for just a brief mention of uh, Lillestrøm because they got knocked down last round, didn't they, Steve? I mean, was that a tough result for them? And how do you see this Viking game going as well? Regarding Lillestrøm, I did my research on this Royal Antwerp team, and I 
I, they, they look good to me. I think they'll go well in the Belgian league. They've got some very good players on their books. I think they're the second favourites to win that Belgian league. No disgrace to get knocked out there. I think it was 5-1 on aggregate. They, they never got close. And if you just look at this squad that Antwerp have, I don't think you could have expected the Lustrum to. So, nothing against them there. As for Viking, they've got it this far. Sao Bucharest, which is definitely a match they're going to be underdogs for. But, you know, why not? You know, they've, they've come this far now. They actually lost against Sligo Rovers, second leg, 1-0 in Ireland. But the job was already done. This is a team that got past Sparta Prague. So, if they can get past Sparta Prague, then why not Sao Bucharest? They're going to have to dig in really deep the first leg being away from home. I think that actually probably helps them. If they can get a draw out of that or a tight defeat, they're back in the game. So, you know, I've got a feeling about Viking actually here. I think they, they, they could actually end up getting outplayed over the two legs, but find a way through. And ultimately in football, it's all about the result, isn't it? It is indeed. And of course, they've come through uh, Sligo Rovers, haven't they? So, yeah. fair play to them on that one. That was an interesting tie. Um, sleepless in Sligo, Sligo, as we said. What's your prediction for the two uh, Norwegian teams and Steve, finally? Let's say Mulder win on aggregate 5-3 and Viking go through on penalties after a two-all on aggregate. Big. There you go, then. That's it. That's it for the European Part 1 preview. Uh, coming up in Part 2, we're going to sort of briefly touch on the domestic action going on in our respective leagues and look at a couple of listener questions. So join us after this short break. Welcome to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast this week's episode. Uh, and if you haven't followed us on Twitter, make sure you do it. Twitter at Nordic Football. You can also find us, uh, you can find Henry on at Football in DK. And don't forget YouTube. We've got uh, all our videos go on YouTube. Henry's done a brilliant interview a couple of uh, weeks ago with uh, a top player out in, in the USA. And we've also had the assistant manager of Varnamo, amongst others. So a lot to get in there. And of course, we had one of the best young talents in world football on last week's episode, Andreas Scheldrup. Uh, Henry, recently back from Denmark, and that's where we're going to start. You um, I very much enjoyed listening to the, to the interview last week, and you've actually been to the teams that we're going to talk about. You've seen pretty much every single team on your trip out there. Uh, so let's talk. Let's start with the the weekend's results that have just gone. Uh, Michelin on Friday had a bit of a uh, should we say hairy result against Horsens, um, three all, and this is becoming a little bit of a trend, isn't it? You've actually seen Michelin in in, in the flesh in in the last week or so. Um, what has been going on with Michelin? Because they are, you know, seventh in the table at this moment in time, and and uh, you you've noticed a bit of a strange goings on there. Yeah, it's pretty pretty extraordinary actually that um, uh, outside of the the bottom three, nobody has won fewer games than Michelin. They've only won once this season. And yeah, when I was out in Denmark a week or so ago, there was this unbelievable game where they were three nil up against the newly promoted uh, Lingbu, um, and got you know. Uh, got pegged back to a, a three-all draw with a sort of dramatic last gasp equaliser. Um, and so when they played Horsens uh, this this weekend just gone uh, and went three-nil up in the first half, uh, I, I wrote a tweet and said, oh, you know, where have we seen this before? Three-nil up in the first half against a newly promoted team. You know, ha, ha, ha. Surely it's not going to happen again. 
Uh, surely they've learned their lesson. Um, and sure enough, uh, it went 3-1, 3-2. And at that point, it was it was almost uh, you were watching watching something you, you knew was going to happen, happen in real time. And uh, and sure enough, uh, Jensen popped up um, with a, a phenomenal header uh, to, to take it to 3-all. And actually, you know, they had a chance, could have could have won it 4-3 even at the end with a, um, a, another header. But yeah, I, I, unbelievable to... to to, to do that twice in a week to how is that even possible henry i mean i can't believe that that's just these are meant to be a title challenger i know it's uh it well it's remarkable that, that they they've they fired their manager uh, a couple of games ago so that it's been a, a caretaker manager uh since then um but they just look uh, a, a shadow of, of of how they were last season, and you know that they're not the only ones uh, to look a shadow of, of where they were last season. Um, it, weirdly, you know, they've scored thirteen goals this season, which is the the, the first in the league, um, and they've conceded eleven, uh, which is remarkable. Only Odense have uh, have scored have conceded more so yeah they look at a bit of a mess they, they've got injuries and suspensions all over the place um uh two red cards in the last week and yeah it's uh it, it's not looking good their next uh managerial appointment will need to be um very well thought out because he's going to need to to turn that ship around asap and you know on top of uh on top of those two crazy draws uh they also went out of the uh champions league to, to to Benfica, which wasn't a big surprise, but at the same time, uh, th- they did lose quite heavily um, over the over the two legs. Um, so uh, they are spared any more qualifications. They just go straight into the uh, the Europa League group stages now. Let's move on to another team. Uh, top of the table, of course, is a team that you, you also saw out there. And um, you know, tell us what's been going on with Norshlin because they've played five, one, four, drawn one. They're, they're one of only two unbeaten teams actually in the league so far this season. Randers are the other one. Uh, that obviously we had the brilliant interview with, with Sheldrup, uh, who is a world-class potential talent. But their most recent result was a, a nil-nil draw, I believe. Yeah, that's right. So uh, until this weekend, they they were the only team who, who'd won uh, all of their games. Um, but they're they're still top of the league. Um, you know, got thirteen points, four wins, and a draw. And uh, I, I, you know, they're certainly a team that I, uh, I have a soft spot for, given their their sort of approach and their 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 focus on development and their their really attractive brand of football. And so, um, in in my preseason prediction, I I felt they were going to struggle just based on what I saw last season and the the, the various outgoings. Uh, and so, it's with um, uh, real pleasure that I've. I've, I've seen them do so well this season and you know one of the big questions we had was who's going to replace um who's going to replace Simon Adingra uh, uh, in in that sort of left wing position um he was obviously so important for them last season in terms of uh, his performances and his goals and uh, sure enough the kind of conveyor belt of talent has, has thrown up another uh, another player in Ernest Nuama um who looks fantastic as well you know he's been a, a breath of fresh air for them um he he looks really dynamic um uh, v- v- very good uh dribbler um very fast and yeah it, he, he's slotted in there nicely uh and that's allowed Sheldrup to play more of the I think as we talked about in the interview he, he's sort of playing a bit more of a uh an attacking midfield position uh, rather than a false nine and uh or, or, or stuck out on the left wing and that's giving him uh the 
the the ability to 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 operate um uh much more effectively and you know he's got um i think it's three goals and two assists this season already um so yeah he's he's looking fantastic and then i guess the other player to mention is um player who who was on loan last season from brentford and he's he's had his loan extended for another season mads bidstrup and he looks uh he looks really really um really really class in in central midfield um you know he he seems to be uh seems to be all over the pitch i'd 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 love to see his um uh statistics for how much ground he covers because he's uh yeah he's a a, like a um uh energizer bunny in 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 that midfield um but looks a, a, a really good addition for the season so they've been super impressive and uh yeah long may it continue Two teams who we talked about in part one actually clashed at the weekend as well, didn't they? Viborg and, and Silkeborg. Um, now, maybe did I don't know if maybe one or other team had an eye on eye on. Of course, their big games coming up. Um, Silkeborg, as we mentioned, uh, playing against Finnish opposition, and Viborg West playing West Ham. Viborg came out two 0 winners in that game, uh, Henry, on Sunday. Um, I just got a question for you on on Christian Sorensen. I mean, how how good is he? He got a goal and assist in this game. He's got two goals now, three assists at the start of the season, I believe, in five games. Um, I know you mentioned some talents at Viborg, didn't you? I know he's, a, he's not exactly a young talent, but um, how good are, how good are Viborg looking? And in general, you know, what was your thoughts on that game? Did either team have an eye on maybe European competition? Because Silkeborg were actually second at the table at the moment. Yeah, I, I th- that was actually a bit of an upset. Uh, I mean, um, no. no not necessarily a massive one because Viborg have been playing well this season, but but Silkeborg have looked so assured. Uh, I, I certainly didn't expect them to to lose uh, without scoring. Um, to, to answer your question on Sorensen, he he is really the key player uh, for for Viborg, and it's quite quite strange to say that of a left back, but um, just the number of chances he creates is just uh, really unbelievable. <clears throat> you know, last season we talked about how he. Uh, created 118 chances and the that was you know first in the league by a mile the next player was 73 uh and yeah this season he's um he's already the top chance producer he's got those two goals and three assists and so i think that he's absolutely fundamental to what they do uh the, at viborg he's playing left back for the first time in his career i believe he, he's always played further forward uh before that so that's where they're really getting the best out of his um, attacking abilities. But today, there there have been quite some quite strong rumours that he might be heading to Bromby. So that would be a huge loss for for, for Viborg if that happened. Yeah, and that would that would be quite damaging, <clears throat> to, wouldn't it, in terms of how they're doing at the start of the season? Uh, I'm going to ask you in a minute a little bit about uh, a couple of final questions before we move on to other leagues but Aarhus uh played uh, this evening and won one nil and they're they're you know they're doing quite well in table as well they're third um but we've just got a question live on air which this, this seems to happen quite a lot recently doesn't it always it? happens doesn't it it's incredible it's what it is six, six cents with our with our listeners somehow um but i think it's quite a controversial one so i'm gonna ask uh, both of you it uh, so i'm just gonna bring in steve here quickly and then i'm gonna get your take henry and then we'll continue with Denmark. I love it. I come in for controversy, don't I? Yes, yeah, it's Davide uh, at Undervalue, who, uh, by the way, has some great threads on Twitter. <clears throat> if you don't follow him, uh, check him out. He, he talks about sporting directors and that kind of thing. He said that um, he's asked about Lillestrøm, which I'm going to ask later, maybe Steve. But the, the, the question he's asked is, can Buda Glimp challenge FC Core for Scandinavian supremacy in three to five years? Um, my initial observation of that is that maybe you could argue they are already challenging, but I could be completely. Oof. 
And then again, yeah, uh, and then I'm going to get no a chance. tennis prospect to start. Uh, no, no way. I mean, just sheer fan base. I mean, this is a great period for Glimt, and they need to make sure they cement themselves now as one of the big, the big teams in Norway regularly, even when they're sort of on a down year. But I don't think any team will ever, unless Rusin will go mad one day, um, ever challenge, um, you know, FCK for. Scandinavian supremacy from Norway anyway. I'm not even thinking of Sweden actually for a moment. Then Malmo obviously would have something to say about that. But I just think surely FC Copenhagen, Copenhagen's fan base and uh, resources are just, um, you know, they're vast, aren't they? Let's be honest. Henry? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm really impressed by what, what Glimt are, are doing. But, um, I, you, you know, Copenhagen. Again, arguably the, the the biggest team uh in the the, the whole nordic region uh I, in fact i don't don't even really think it's arguable at the moment um so i think it would take a, a much more sustained uh period of 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 uh glimp dominance to, to to start sort of challenging that position but um i think that you know i, I as long as they're not playing a danish team I, I i love seeing nordic teams do well in in europe so uh hopefully both can uh coexist happily in the in the champions league group stage this season there we go. Hopefully that answers the question and some interesting perspectives. That I guess in terms of supremacy, you know, are you looking at it from a kind of like fan-based point of view? Then I'd probably say, yeah, yeah you know, it depends on you, if you're looking at it on the pitch or you're looking at it in terms of titles. On the pitch, yeah, many, many, many different ways of looking at it. But yeah, that, that's uh, a decent answers in, in, in general. Anyway, let, let's talk about, is it Aarhus in the middle of our street? I don't know how you pronounce <laughs> oh. it. I don't know who they, you, you can pronounce who they played because... Uh, there's a few linguistic quirks uh lately on this podcast isn't it? so tell us what was the score of this game and who played <laughs> uh the, the the game from today yes yeah they were playing uh our, our, our favorites lingbu um and it was uh one nil victory and yeah i have to say um agf have have been one of the the sort of positive stories of the season uh in terms of just the 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 leap in performances that they've made uh, under Uwe Rosler this season, uh, given where they were last season under David Nielsen, is just extraordinary. They, they look so much more energetic, so much more um, uh, determined, and the results are coming. You know, f five games in, they they've won three and drawn one, um, uh, and only lost the once. And uh, incredible goal today. Uh, seek it out if you can find it. Um, Jan Bissak. Uh, firing it in from uh, well outside the box, uh, top corner. But yeah, the, 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 they've made some smart signings. And uh, I, I think that that in combination with um, with Rossler and his his uh, Klopp-style heavy metal football, um, I think that it's it's really paying dividends. Um, so yeah, that they look they look great this season. And I think uh, will be um, a... Uh, Maybe too early to say a lock, but I think that they're almost certainly going to be a top six team. Yeah, it's a curious sort of note to see uh, Uwe Rossler there, obviously former Malmo manager with Malmo kind of struggling these days. Looking through their squad as well, they've got a couple of uh, you know uh, players who have, you know, we've commented on this podcast in the past. I think Sigurd, Sigurd Haugen, Haugen, sorry, formerly of Arlesen, of course. Um, and they've also got Eric Carr, who was, I believe, at AIK. He was at AIK for a while. Yeah, he was. Decent, decent talent. Uh, I remember watching him a few times. Uh, they've also got the magnificently named South African called Gift Links. Yeah, so one of the best like, names in the league. <laughs> the one, yeah, I think he sounds like he could be. It could be a rapper or something. You know, that's that's a great name. 
um, gift links, only built for gift links. Um, so before we wrap up uh, the daily section, Henry, we've got to talk about the two um, big sort of clubs in, in, in this division in terms of FC Core, as you just mentioned there in Bromby, eighth and ninth at this moment in time. Um, what is going on? And, and just give us a bit of context about the derby as well, because you you wrote a fantastic piece on your website about it. Um, what, what you know, talk to us a little bit more about that, the derby and what is going on with them both at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, going into the derby, both teams uh, had only won once in the season, so it was really an opportunity to kickstart the season. And uh, I, I think both managers were were coming under a little bit of pressure. Um, N- not just for the for the perform uh, for, for the results, but but for the performances really, um, and so yeah, the, the the derby came about. Obviously, for me, it was about not just what was happening on the pitch, but all the stuff around it. You know, the atmosphere and the the occasion. But um, on the pitch, it was a really exciting game. Um, Copenhagen ran out four one winners in the end. Uh, Pep Biel hat trick. And you felt that, you know, such an emphatic win in the derby would really sort of be a shot in the arm for them in terms of uh, kickstarting their season. Um, but then, uh, you, you know, to follow that up with a, a home loss to Randers just feels like um, w- once again, it's, you know, a step forward and and uh, a step or, or two steps backwards uh, that they very, very badly need a number nine. And I would say the same is, is true for Bromby. Um, that they've they've got Matthias Quisgarden, um, who who looks great, but uh, is is very young, and to sort of put the goal scoring burden on uh, on the shoulders of a uh, a teenager doesn't doesn't really feel fair. So I, I think both of them um, uh, need a goal scorer, uh, but they also need the, the the manager to 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 find some way to uh, to get them playing. Uh, the, the sort of football that uh, that the fans expect at those teams, uh, and it's just not been happening this season. Uh, Bromby also uh, got knocked out of Europe uh, last week. Uh, to they, they lost on penalties to Basel. Um, so yeah, both both teams really struggling this season. Um, I, I I I fully expect both to be in in the top six come the end of the season. But yeah, not been the start to the season that they had hoped for. Uh, but I did enjoy the derby. I've just yeah, amazing uh, scenes there. I've just seen you. Uh, your tweet as well from earlier saying about uh, Daniel West straight into action for Bromby. I can't believe I can't believe he's at, he's at Bromby. Uh, we were just talking about um, off 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 air. Me and Steve were just talking about the the classic days of um, of Evian for French French team who, who uh, was so good. Daniel West was like a a legendary player. Oh, yes. and he's thirty three now. I've just seen, but he's he's played his first game for Bromby. That is a hell of a signing. Evian Tongayar, what a team, yeah. what a shirt. <laughs> the shirt is the best shirt in football. I, I was. I was actually talking about it because I was thinking of getting the shirt. Um, <laughs> but I think Vass is a, is a brilliant signing. That's a heck of a yeah, sign. Yeah. yeah. I, I, th- there'd been lots of talk about him re- um, returning because uh, I believe he was there uh, previously. Uh, and it does tend to be the case that, you know, you um, you kind of uh, uh, return to where you made your name. And, yeah, he, he came through the, the, the youth ranks at, at Bromby and played for uh, three or four years there before... Um, before moving to Benfica, I think it was. Uh, so, so yeah, he's he's returned um, at age thirty three, and we'll probably see out his career there. And I think that you know he, he's quite a versatile player. You know, he can obviously play right back or, or, or central midfield. And I think that that's kind of what Bromby need at the moment. Um, and oh. I think that there's a lot more business to be done uh, for, for 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 both teams in Copenhagen, actually. How time flies, eh? I remember him as a young 23-year-old at Evian Tonic, gone out at Gaillard, just making his name. 
Uh, played for Celta Vigo since Valencia, Atletico Madrid, and now back home in Denmark. We're going to move on to Norway now. I do have one final question for you, actually, Henry, in a minute, but I'm going to... Uh, I'll ask you it now, actually. Uh, you mentioned both teams need a striker. Who would you suggest for each team as a striker from the Danish league? Like, who is ready to step up? You don't have to answer it now. I'm going to go to Steve, but I'm going to come back to you after Steve's answer. So tune in if you want to hear that answer. But... Um, Unless you have it right now, of course. If you need some time to think about it or if you've got the answer immediately. What is my actual question? <laughs> the question's <laughs> for me. Yeah, we haven't started with you, so don't worry. Oh, you, 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 well, okay. Yeah, get, get, give me a couple of minutes and right. I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come back with a well-thought answer. Good. No way it is then. So you've got some time to think about some replacement strikers for those two big clubs. Uh, Steve, we're going to start with a question that we've had on Lillestrom. And uh, it's an undervalued question, which which I didn't ask you earlier. He says, what are your thoughts on Lillestrøm domestically? I noticed that they haven't had the best of times of late. They're down to third now. We did talk about it on the last episode. But uh, one nil defeat sorry, this weekend at Yerf, that's that's a big loss, isn't it? I'm going to sound smoother now because I actually switched mics. Um, I was using the wrong bloody microphone for the first half of this episode, so I will be sounding clearer now. But this, yeah, we have to start here, actually. Yerv 1, Lillestrøm 0. And this was a bonkers game. The XG for this game was ridiculous. Something like uh, over 3XG for Lillestrøm against 2XG for, for Yerv. The only goal score was a penalty. I can't believe some of the, some of the misses in this match. There was one, I mean, remember Bermanchevich last week? Th- this was probably worse from Tobias uh, Svensson. It had a 0.83 xG and I tell you now when it was I was just kind of I wasn't really that interested in the game but when this miss happened uh, at the time I went absolutely kind of one of those crazy moments where you just l- go out and say wow wow etc. I think the wife was near me at the time sitting on the sofa and was like what the effing hell are you doing <laughs> screaming out so loudly <laughs> because it was one of those like incredible moments like how has he missed but they won't know how they lost this game. I've, I've just got a feeling that I, I, I thought this was going to happen at some stage where they would lose a game inexplicably. They're not they're not used to being up there in the title race. They'd just been to Belgium uh, in midweek and lost. And you know, it's a it could be a pivotal defeat for them because they got Rosenborg sniffing down their necks. Um, I do need to talk about them in this episode. And obviously, Buda Glimt have won again and Mulder. Uh, weren't in action this week, but they're five clear of them. And um, I think there was another question someone put about Lillestrøm about are they going to stay in the title race, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't think they will. And now for me, it's about whether they can actually even get in a medal spot. And uh, more most likely team to finish fourth from this position is probably Lillestrøm. Really missing Akor Adams already. I think he would have buried a couple of the chances they had. Fred Johnson, I said it in last week's pod, just doesn't have that extra bit. Of quality and, and flair and x-factor that adams has but even he should have converted a couple of his chances on sunday it was a bonkers game as for year well done to them um whenever they've won a match this season it's already always been one nil but you can see why they're struggling down there they're just they're not good enough but it was a great day for them to get three points yeah there were some friday games which is quite rare isn't it in um in norway i was quite surprised about that glimt obviously won 4-1 at salzburg um, and Rosenborg won 5-2 at Sandefjord, so it was definitely a day for goals. Um, you mentioned a question that uh, we had, and I'm going to ask that now. It's from at Stan, Flying Dutchman, who um, has been engaging quite a lot on Twitter lately, so good to see you again, Mr. Flying Dutchman. Um, he says, or she says, uh, will Elite Serien have a three-way title race, or are Lillestrøm not up to that task? 
And I, I guess you're answering it by saying that they aren't up to that task. They could still be a three-way title race, but with Rosenborg involved. So, uh, but I don't think Lillestrom will be involved. Thank you very much for your question, Flying Dutchman. Flying Dutchman, what was that? Was that a ghost ship back in the day? It rings a bell anyway. You might know better than me, boys. But um, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be uh, now a case for them if they can hang on for a medal. They will rebound at some point. They're out of Europe now, which helps them. They will get Akko Adams back from injury as well. And, um, you know, all isn't lost, but it's like a, a mid-season wobble. It's been coming. You know, they've hung on, hung on in some games. The goalkeeper bailed them out a couple of weeks ago, getting an equaliser in the 94th minute. And you can't keep relying on that, can you? So uh, they've only got themselves to blame this week. They shouldn't, they should never have lost that game. They should have won it. And uh, it's a sort of match, though, that can really deflate you, can't it? Yeah. And funny enough, you mentioned Flying Dutchman. He, he definitely is a loyal listener to this podcast because he said, he said in the past few days uh, about Christensen. Um, I need Christensen to lose so he can have Faduba rant like he did about AF Core last year, like laughing emoji. So he's clearly been tuned in. Um, and Christensen did indeed lose, didn't they? So yeah, I'm not exactly ranting, but I have to say it's not looking good for Christensen. Bottom six points, and you have now gone up to 15, 15, sorry, uh, and now 15 with 14 points. So it's really looking, it's really looking like curtains for, for Christensen. Let's let's be honest. Um, We'll move on. I know you said you wanted to talk about Rosenborg, Steve. What's yeah. what's to talk about there? I mean, five two mm. win at Sandefjord, who are tenth now, but um, they're, narrow, they're just creeping up the league, aren't they? This was another crazy game. I, I don't trust the Rosenborg defence whatsoever. They uh, the first time it was two all after fifteen minutes in this game. I was like, what the hell's going on? Uh, but neither team could defend. Sandefjord, I think, should have been ahead uh, before half time. There was off Kier rounded the keeper, and there was an open goal. And then he slipped. So another huge chance in that match that was missed. But really all the talk is about the new signing of Rosenborg, Kasper Tengstedt from Horsens. He scored on his debut the previous week against Hamcam and he scored a hat-trick in this match. Now, I, I like I, I like his position. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. And I think he's got a composure about his finishing, which is quite good. I mean, this guy's only coming from the second tier in Denmark. So yeah, I don't think we could expect miracles from him. But already he's obviously impressed a lot to get the starting gig. And he looks like quite a clinical finisher. And um, to be honest, you know, I think a few are starting to put him in the, in, in the fantasy teams. He's not very cheap at 9.5 million, I think, in the fantasy game. But... If he keeps scoring these sort of uh, chances, then then fair play to him. I think the third goal, there was a, a big suspicion of offside. Pretty sure VAR would have called that one back if it was in the league. But, um, you know, Rosenborg had too much offensive strength in the second half. They look, for the first time in quite some time, actually strong offensively. And we've not been able to say that, have we, probably since pre-Hornerland days. And uh, if you can go into a match and you're capable of outscoring anyone, then I think um, in, in, in Norway, that's a big strength. He's um yeah four four wins in a row now for Rosenborg. Uh, they're beating Tromso, Odd, Hamcam, and uh, Sandefjord. They've got Arlison next, and then Tromso again. Casper uh, Tengstead. We had a tweet about him as well from at Joe Gould. Joe Gould at twelfth Yank. Sorry, he said Tengstead has revolutionised this Rosenborg team. What a signing! Uh, Henry, I'm going to bring you back in now because we are talking about strikers. He's come from the second tier. Have you got any for us, or do you, should we keep? He's He's actually come from the Superliga. Horsens were promoted uh, last season. Uh, so they've signed him from a Superliga club. And I was a bit gutted to see Tengstead go, to be honest. Uh, he was really, um, uh, I think he was the, the the top scorer at Horsens last season. 
and he was looking great this season. He was in my fantasy team, um, and yeah, he's obviously it's a, a, a great opportunity for him. But I just wonder whether he's. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I j- just wonder really about like what's the dynamics of that move. Uh, is he? You know, does he see? Um, does he see it as a stepping stone to uh, going to uh, I don't know a Belgium or a or a France or is he? Is he convinced that that he's going to get into Europe uh, with uh, with that move? I don't know. And uh, yeah, no. And the other the other uh, goal scorer, Henry. I'm going to put you on the spot on your strikers in a minute. Or, or if not, we'll hang you on a little bit longer. But yeah, another interesting goal scorer in that game, Steve Brian Fiabima. He's on loan from from Chelsea. Um, I didn't actually realise he's not really pulled up pulled up trees, has he? On loan. I know he's been. I know he's a Norwegian, I believe, uh, who's um, got a bright future. I think. Is he? I think. Uh, I know he's come from the under twenty threes. I think he's ex Tromso. Am I right in saying? Um, mm, well, but yeah, interesting to see him on the score sheet. How's he getting on? Not very well, to be honest. He hasn't really impressed me this season much. Um, he's made a few fleeting substitute appearances. He's had chances to start, and he hasn't really taken it. He was delighted to get on the score sheet late on here. He was loving life, and why not? Because it's probably one of his better games he's had. Uh, but um, yeah, he hasn't really caught. The, uh, the world on fire at uh, Rosenborg yet this season. And I think now, certainly when Vecchia gets back, I think he's going to be just on the user's a bench option uh, all season, really. Yeah, fair enough. It's a, it's a strange one, that actually, because I, I thought he was quite highly rated. But of course, when you know, you're that young, you probably still need time to, to adjust to the league and, and, and all that kind of thing. Um, we're going to move on to uh, a couple more teams in, in Norway and then we'll, we'll switch over to, to Sweden. Um, was there anything else that majorly caught your eye? I know Tromso beating Christensen 2 1, Hamkan 1, Wallerenga 1, um, Arlison 1, Haugerson 2, uh, and then obviously you've got our Sarsborg game that we just talked about, and also the uh, Rosenborg game. Is there any other teams that you would sort of want to briefly discuss before we move on to Sweden? Yeah, Tromso. I think uh, Charlotte Pat- Patterson had a question about uh, Tromso. Uh, said, What do you think about their survival chances now? Looking at the table, they're in ninth, but pretty much any team from seventh down could fall down there. And who do I think will be struggling at the wrong end of the table? I think one thing we've got to say about Tromso is that they have been massively helped by facing Christiansen twice in the last three matches. So, And they've only got four points out of it. But uh, it was important they beat them. They're up to 21 points on the board now, unbeaten in four matches. I think what we're seeing is that the, t- the promoted teams are really struggling performance-wise. Like Yerv, Ham Cam have had a bad run, or they've got a late draw. And Arlesund are starting to slide down as well. It's a time of year where you lose that promotion bubble, isn't it? The um, you know the, the the momentum that you can have. So uh, I think we're probably going to see Christensen go down, Yerv go down, automatic. And the th- I think the third spot will be well, it could be anyone. I mean, Sarpsborg are down there right now. I mean, I had a couple of interesting uh, Twitter interactions. I think with this Sarpsborg fan at the weekend, I was kind of I wasn't slagging off Stefan Bilbon, but I was saying. You know, under his, uh, you know, management that they just can't defend. So, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much covers the, the Charlotte's question. Now, I would say at the minute, if I had to pick a team for third bottom, I would say Allison because they need to really reinforce um, in the market. Sigurd Horgan uh, losing him uh, was a massive blow, but it could be any one of about five or six teams getting in that playoff spot, John. Yeah, we have to give a massive um, shout out to Charlotte Patterson, loyal supporter of the podcast at Kirby Hazard. Really appreciate it everything you're doing and I hope you're well and it's a great question as well so um 
didn't know you were a Chomzo fan. I don't know if you are a Chomzo fan, but or if it's just curiosity. But if you are, if you listen, she is, yeah. Meet us and let us know. Um, Henry, strikers. One from yeah. Copenhagen. <laughs> yeah, and you specify they have to come from the league. So this was uh, this was interesting. So for Bromby, uh, this is maybe a bit of a cop out because he's been linked with them already. So you know this is one that might happen. But um, Nicholas Hellenius from uh, from Silkeborg, obviously last season's Golden Boot winner. Uh, as much as as much as I believe that his success is very very strongly linked to Kent Nielsen and the system that's in place at Silkeborg. So I'm not convinced that it would be a slam dunk move. I would still be fascinated to see uh, to see him uh, at Bromby and see how he does there and whether he can uh, whether he can sort of transplant his uh, golden touch uh, to to them uh, or whether it was just uh, a product of the system. Um, so that would be my my pick for for Bromby for for FC Co. There's a, a it, it, this this is an interesting one. I I would say that probably the the, the, the player who would be most interesting for them would be Stephen Odie uh, from Randers. I think that when he's when he's been fit, he's looked dangerous. Uh, he's uh, a, a, a very good goal scorer. Um, still got a, a lot of upside uh, to him. So yeah, I would say him. Or the as a complete wild card option, um, there is uh, a, a player who's just coming through this season at. Um, at Alborg, uh, an OCK uh, Ementa, and he's six foot seven, uh, and just uh, 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 so an absolute colossus up front. And he, I, I don't think he scored yet, but I, I remember in the game against FC Copenhagen that they lost, he looked um, he looked very interesting, uh, just in terms of what he can offer. You know, the classic good feet for a big man. But um, uh, I, I, I'd just be fascinated to see him um, surrounded by a bit more of a functional team. I love it. I love it. Over to you, Steve. Yes, uh, we're leaving uh, Sweden till last year and we might have to rush through a couple of things, but uh, the key points from the weekend round, I think it's fair to say Malmo 3, Sundsvall 1, Jorgarten 3, Kalmar 2, Icor drop points against Varnamo at home and then two really big fixtures on Monday evening, Hecken won Miabi nil. They managed to keep their lead at the top of the table. And Ake Gothenburg is nil. Hammerby won. There was a missed penalty in that match. I think it was crucial as well. Now, where should we start then? Hecken on Monday evening against Miabi. Really important for them. They've they've come through Miabi twice thanks to a couple of late goals this season. And I think those those six points could be cru- really crucial come the end of the campaign, Jonathan. Hecken? Yeah. Yeah, they, um, yeah, the reason I mean, I'm just thinking about hacking to be honest because this is tonight's a big, this is a big, I think this is a big day in the course of the title race potentially. Um, we've had this evening EF Core uh, against Hammerby, uh, and obviously Big Hacken, as you just mentioned there, against Mialby, one nil win for Hacken. Um, the top of the table, they, anyone who knows about Hammer, uh, sorry, about Mialby, um, you only have to listen to our, our episode with Anders Torstensen and the culture there. Very sort of regimented, very stern and tough to beat. Deep block, you know, we'll, they'll defend things. Maybe the Burnley of the Burnley of Osvenskamp, potentially, you could say. Um, and it was always going to be a question mark of like, I would say that Hacken are kind of... Not quite the... I wouldn't say quite... They're not, they're not as good as Glimp, but they're kind of... They try and play that style of football. 
um, technical players. They've actually just signed to be Asana from EFK Jotterborg, who obviously fell out with Mikistara. He's moved across town. Um, but players like Blair Turgut, uh, you know, they've got a lot of technical players, uh, athletic players like to get forward quickly. Um, so this was a real clash of styles. And, and the question really was, could Hacken dominate that that deep block of, of Mialbi? It took them 79 minutes and uh, there was no uh, Yeremiev. I saw he was your fantasy captain, Steve. Uh, so uh, he, he he wasn't uh, well, he was ill. He missed so many chances when he came on. He should have had a hat-trick. Yeah, he, he was ill. But to be fair, when he came on, they scored almost immediately afterwards. Mikhail Rygaard was the hero. Uh, lovely taking goal, to be fair to him, uh, on his left foot, really calm. He's added a big presence to the midfield of Hacken. I think he's been a key man, actually, in them um, getting to the top of the table this season. I think he's been fantastic. Um, but yeah, that, that was all they needed. Once you score against Miyabi, it's, you know, sometimes with the the, the, the the system they play, it's hard for them to switch styles and, and sort of go on the offensive. And one thing about Miyabi, to be fair, though, they do tend to create a lot of late chances. They've, they've scored a lot they of late do. goals this season. Mm. And they missed a massive chance at the end, 90th minute. Uh, uh, Lofqvist, who's back. Remember, we spoke about him a lot last season. The man who I will never forget, who <laughs> is so powerful and strong, he ran into a crossbar and the crossbar came off worse. <laughs> um, he had a brilliant chance uh, and he put it wide header. Should have scored and that could have changed the whole title race. But um, how can have got away with it in that sense? I don't think they were they were great. I don't think they were really that good on, on it today, really. A lot of their forward players, Turgut went off, for example. They didn't really click, but they've got that win. And, and what do we say about title winners on this podcast, Steve? You, you need to be able to get the job done in those games where maybe you're not at your best. And that is what Beaker Hacken have done. And, and to be fair, that was a question mark I've had about them um, all season long. I think they will have bigger tests to come. Mialbi are a good side, but if you can't beat Mialbi at home, you, you know, you do. There's bigger tests to come, let's say. But I think just psychologically, in terms of being able to get it done in a tight game against a tough opposition, 12 games to go, I think that was psychologically could be a real huge result for them, actually, as, as in this title race. Malmo 3, give Sundsvall 1. Now, I looked at the XG for this game. Sundsvall had an XG of 0.11. So I feel sorry for anyone who backed Malmo to win to nil. But um, were you convinced by Malmo in this fixture? And I mean, they've certainly put the pressure on um, their rivals again. I think just the sh- they're even just up there lurking. Then they're always going to be a danger, aren't they? But uh, I mean, beating GIF isn't particularly um, eye-catching these days, is it? Yeah, I feel like kind of maybe I did cover this a lot in part one, so I'll keep it fairly brief in terms of on Malmo. But um, once again, I wasn't it wasn't impressed to be to be honest. Three-one um, win. Goals from Berman Savic and um, Isaac Kiesetelling got two. I, I, about half an hour into this game, I, was, I started to think to myself, you know what, Kiesetelling, maybe, maybe, um, maybe he was listening to my brain or something, but I was thinking to myself, Kiesetelling's not really had a great impact since his return to Malmo. Um, that team with Yondal Thomason in charge, you know, he was like the main focal point. He was such a brilliant striker that year and almost fired, helped fire them to the title. And as this game sort of plodded along, I was thinking to myself, he's not really, he, he obviously went away. Um, I think he had a spell in Saudi Arabia or something like that. He came back and it's not really worked out for him. He, he did then go on to get two goals. So uh, <laughs> show how much I know, um, judging him too quickly. But I still get a sense that he's not entirely clicked in this team. They've obviously brought players now like Bouyatore up front as well uh, to play around him. So I felt that maybe they feel like they need to give him more support. But I think this was an important game for Kisa Tlen just to get, um, back in the rhythm. He's had a few injuries as well, so it's not entirely his fault. I'm not saying he's dipped or anything, but just hasn't quite had the same impact. Um, but I think it was important for him to get some goals. Berman Savic scored as well. Um, I think the jury's out in, in, in Malmo, just in terms of, there's a lot of players that are kind of 
coasting a little bit, in my opinion. Um, I think Berman Savage kind of embodies it. He had some really good chances to score more goals and just, I feel like he's been a bit lacklustre. I just feel, I don't know if it's Yondal Thomason, who, by the way, is top of the league at Blackburn at the moment in the championship. Oh, I'm going to get reminded of that every week. I, I, I don't know if it's like a slight drop in standards, but I just, I just feel like that a lot of the players are not on it at the moment. There was a moment in this game where I think it was Nielsen or, or, um, or Bejimo, I can't remember exactly who, but, he had to go to Berman Savage and sort of say to him, listen, like, you know, he, he went to him and pointed at him and was sort of saying to him, like, you know, sort yourself out kind of thing in the early in the first half, you know, don't get your head down kind of thing. Cause he was kind of dropping his head and getting frustrated even in the early part of the match. And I just wonder if there's a little bit of a dip in, dip in standard. There was a chance at three nil where Berman Savage, he was put through and it was like, just take a touch. Last season, Berman Savage would have taken a touch, um, said himself and, and made it four nil. And he just took it first time and just rolled it, sort of P-rolled it wide. And and I know it's little things I'm just talking about in the game here, but just, there's just these little moments that I'm seeing that kind of don't bode well for me in terms of Malmo this season. And they took their eye off the ball in the second half again. Gift got, got goal back. But obviously, Gift Sun's at the bottom of the table. They're never going to really, they weren't really going to do much in this match. But in terms of the title race, if you look at it, you know, Malmo, still, they still don't have a manager. Um, unless um, they, you know, the interim manager stays till the end of the season, the former Arsenal man, Gayorgson, um, they're five points off it. It's, it's doable in terms of winning the league, but I just still remain a little bit unconvinced by them. I think, I think my one conclusion this this weekend, Steve, is I think I think Uruguay and Hammerby are looking looking strongest at this moment. So I'm ARK drop points again. Um, they're now six points off it. Uh, it's a big loss for Jotterberg in terms of EF Core in terms of trying to win the title. I, I know that they weren't really ever in it, but I think that's probably the, them officially out of it now, eight points behind. But I think Uruguay and Hammerby, I think I'd put them my favourites at this moment in time above above Hacken and Malmo. All right, one final thing before we, we finish then. And uh, I mean, Malmo obviously the power horse of Swedish football right now. But I do know the former, you wanted to talk about this, the former Southampton man, Anders Fenson, has said something in the media, I think either tonight or yesterday, um, but he's a bit concerned about Swedish football. And I know you wanted to just elaborate on this a little bit. Yeah, I thought um, since Sweden is last on this show, you know, w- w- what's happening? You know, I think I think it would, it would be interesting to talk about it. And also, there's no Swedish team in the uh, Champions League uh, group stage chat that we just had earlier in the show as well. You know, we talked about Glimp, we talked about FC Copenhagen, but glaringly, there's no Swedish team in, in the last round of it. And um, I thought this was an interesting comment from Anders Fenson that I'm just going to end it on. And maybe anyone who listens to this or we could talk about it next week, maybe, but he obviously is a famous player, as you just mentioned there. He's had a bit of a story career. And he came out this week and said that he thinks that Swedish football is slipping further and further behind on every level. Um, I think he what he's talking about maybe wanting to change it. I don't know if he's campaigning for something. I don't know. I don't quite exactly know his agenda, but it has been a bit of a talking point in, in Sweden. He said, um, if you look at the game, for example, he said he, he pointed at Malmo and he said that the Zalgiris game, um, he said, it doesn't send good signals to our talented younger people when, uh, a team like Malmo plays in the qualifiers and most of their players are around 30 years of age. Um, he said, there are, finger- there are some fingers that I need to point and problems that I see in Swedish football at this moment in time. Um, he talks about the financial situation in Sweden, maybe not being able to attract players. But he also said that, you know, um, he also had a bit of a dig at Malmo and just in terms of them not relying on their academy. He said, Malmo produced some young players, but it's incredible. Um, they are incredible at producing talent on at the youth teams. I think they should have produced even more young players. In the qualifiers against Zargiris, half the team was over 30 years old. And this doesn't just apply to Malmo. You really want the players to be in the team and given chances. 
So basically, he's come out with these sweeping statements about how he would change Swedish football. I don't know if he's campaigning for something like I say, but he basically said, we, we lag behind individually and in individual training. Um, we lag behind the rest of Europe. Uh, there's an incredible number of talented coaches and collective training is fantastic, but I think we need to get better at looking after the needs of individuals. Young players in Sweden leave before they have even debuted, made their debut at the highest level. It's not good enough. Um, they probably feel that they will get better training and development abroad. A lot of it is about resources and it's difficult to take care of individual needs when you have 25 individuals um, and at best you have two or three coaches. Now, of course, we talked to David Cellini um, a couple of weeks ago about at Varnamo and and you know, he mentioned they have three full-time staff, I think, and they're in Osvenska. They're a high-performing team. So it does maybe have a little bit of a point here in terms of the development of players. And, you know, it's my bugbear, and I'm sure Henry, of course, I always ask Henry about Benjamin Negrin. I always use him as an example. He he left EF course so quickly, and he's now sort of on the bench at Norseland, hardly getting games. He could have played sort of 50 games for EF Corps by now if he'd stuck around easily um, and been a top-class player. Um, we saw this week Pontus Dahlberg just come back to EF Corps Jotterburg. Um, Watford basically rescinded his contract. You know, they, they paid millions of pounds for him. Um, he went on loan to Doncaster. He went on loan here and there in, in, in England. And, and he's, he's back now. And he's going to be number two goalkeeper at EF Core. It's so, madness, isn't it? Look at the guy at Toulouse as well. Yeah, I just I just, I thought it was an interesting thing to end the, the show on because I know we don't have a huge amount of time to talk about Sweden, but maybe we can pick up mm. on this in a future episode because um, mm. Spencer went on to talk about a lot of things. He talked about nutrition in, in, in Swedish football. He talked about fitness, physical technique. Um, and... I just thought it was an interesting talking point, especially with Dalberg coming back to the EF Core and uh, other players like that, like Henry. You know, you talk, we talked to, I talked to you often about Negan and how he's getting on. Um, just seems like maybe with Mama not doing so well in this this year's Champions League, is it maybe time to think about what where Swedish football's going? Because it's a fantastic league, but uh, I do kind of empathise with him in the sense of like sometimes the development of players is a little bit off in terms of how quickly they leave and then how quickly they come back. Yeah, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Henry, at all. I mean, uh... yeah, I mean, um, but one of the names that, that instantly pops out to me when you were talking about uh, talking about Malmo was uh, Rooney Bardaji, um, who's obviously considered to be one of the one of the top, if not the top talents in all of Scandinavia. Uh, and he obviously came through at Malmo uh, before being snapped up by uh, FC Copenhagen. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about him before, how the fact that he um, is the youngest ever scorer in the Superliga, you know, made his debut four days after his, uh, I think it was four days after his 16th birthday. And, you know, that there's talk now even that he might be might be sold this summer because he's not 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 yet signed a, a long-term contract so you know his his star is uh is 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 growing and that that's a, a perfect example really of a, a a player who you know came through at Malmo and that they they couldn't necessarily hold on to yeah it's, wow. fantastic. it's another fantastic example to be fair so yeah I mean it's an interesting debate if you listen to the show um tweet us your opinion on that and what you think because we may develop that in future episodes but it's just yeah it's a really good talking point I think that's all we've got time for this episode, boys. So, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Let's go through where where can we find you, Henry, again? Uh, at Football in DK on Twitter and uh, footballindenmark.com. And Jonathan? You can find me out there, out and about. <laughs> <laughs> Ground up. Uh, at, at JFootball, at F-U-T-B-O-L. Um, I actually made my debut on CNN last week. So, if you watch what CNN was, you'll see me. Um I don't know how, but yeah, that was interesting. So, you know, obviously you can find me on Twitter and, and just tweet at Nordic Football as well. Uh, often I'm looking at the account and happy to reply. But yeah, great to have you on the show, Henry, as well. Really enjoyed your time. 
thank you man it's a, a, a real pleasure to do it the three of us and uh you know this this time in a, a few years time maybe i'll be doing a cnn too few years time i think a few few weeks time the right <laughs> you can follow the podcast at nordic footpod uh thanks to all our patrons again as always and you can follow myself at meatman soccer so uh, it's been a pleasure gentlemen we shall see you around uh i'm, I'm sure i'll see you around sorry yeah, at some point again soon but uh, thanks for listening all take care and uh goodbye